Welcome to Soul Talk, soulful conversations exploring who you are, why you're here, and how to live your most authentic life. My name is Coop Blackson, nationally best-selling author of You Are The One, transformational teacher, and your host. I invite you to subscribe to the Soul Talk podcast for weekly inspiration from me, where I will share with you some powerful ideas, thoughts, and practical life wisdom to help you live life more fully, freeing yourself from your past, reclaiming your power, and living your true life's purpose. You can also go to www.coopblackson.com, enter your name and email to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment. Let's get started with Soul Talk. Welcome, folks. Welcome to another episode of the Soul Talk podcast. I am super, super, super excited about today's episode. Uh, I get to interview someone who I have the utmost profound respect for. She's definitely an inspiration to me and many, many folks around the world. You may already know of her. You may have read her book, The Soul of Money. If you haven't checked out her book, The Soul of Money, check it out. It will definitely uh, expand your perception on how you see money, for sure, money and abundance. And she has a new book out, which I'm very excited to explore with her. It's called Living a Committed Life, Finding Freedom and Fulfillment in a Purpose Larger Than Yourself. I think this is a super important topic at this time. For more than 40 years, she has uh, been a recognized global visionary committed to alleviating poverty, ending world hunger, and supporting social justice and environmental sustainability. Welcome, the amazing Lynn Twist. <laughs> Thank you, Kud. What a pleasure to be on your uh, show and be in conversation with you. Thank you for inviting me. Thanks for thanks for saying yes, as always. And I've been greatly looking forward to this conversation. And look, I want to uh, I want to dive right in. I want to dive right in. And uh, I, there's so much I want to ask you, especially based on what's happening on on the planet today. Um, but I really want to start with uh, the theme of your new book, which is living a committed life. I just want to start by asking. What is a committed life? What does it mean to live a committed life? Because I think many times people think they're committed, but I'm curious what you mean by committed life. Well, I mean um, a pretty specific thing. Um, I mean committing your whole life. (laughs) Mm. You know, we all make commitments to be here on time and to, uh, you know, meet that goal or to do a good job with your kids. Um, uh, But I'm talking about realizing that life has been given to us and it's been given to us, or I'll just say my perception or one way that I look at it is life has been given to me. My life is given Mm -hmm. so that I can give it. And um, it's a, it's different than um, being born and realizing, Oh, it's about my life starring me. And I'm going to do the best I can with this, life that's starring me um a life if you live your life starring you you end up being worried about if you're doing it right and there's all these Mm. thoughts about doubt and do i measure up and um comparing yourself with other people and uh you know am i tall enough or young enough or skinny enough or pretty enough or smart enough or all those things lack and doubt and the noise in our head can get pretty loud if you're all about your life starring you and um, and many people are, and then I, you know, I I respect that, and obviously that's that's kind of what's happening. <laughs> yeah, 
but if you uh, if you can imagine mm. realizing that there's an opportunity, especially at this epic epic time in history, to turn your life over to something larger than you can even accomplish in your own lifetime, mm. a purpose larger than yourself. It is something that calls to you, something that either breaks your heart, sometimes that's how you know what it is, or something that's so deeply moving to you that you want to put, you know, you want to kneel in front of it and and give your life to it. And that doesn't need to be something huge like ending world hunger or saving Mm -hmm. the Amazon rainforest like I'm I'm committed to, but it, it might be to be the best kindergarten teacher you can be in this two years you're going to teach kindergarten. And that you're mm. going to make an, an imprint on these children that they will really know who they are. And they will have a taproot from kindergarten that will serve them their entire life like that. It doesn't need to be a big commitment mm. or a small commitment. It just needs to be your commitment. If you can give yourself over to it, really turn your surrender to it, mm-hmm. then all that noise, am I good enough? Am I smart enough? Da, 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 all that stuff, it doesn't go away completely because it's part of being human. But mm-hmm. it moves to the background. And what moves to the foreground is your commitment. And your commitment shapes you into being the person you need to be to fulfill it. Mm, Can you say that again? Your commitment, I like that. Your commitment shapes you. Shapes you into becoming the kind of person you need to be to fulfill it. So Mm -hmm. let me give you an example. Most people think, well, Jane Goodall, she was just born brilliant and kind. Right, right, right. Gandhi was just born a genius. And Martin Luther King was just born to be an eloquent spokesperson for all life. I say no. I say they were born just like you and I, with capacities, with treasures and talents, yes. But it was the big commitment that they made that Mm. reached into an ordinary life and made that life extraordinary. I love that. It was the big commitment that they made. That shaped them into becoming the person they needed to be to fulfill it. It's not like it was the other way around, right? It's, yes. They figured it out. And it, the commitment, are you saying the commitment, the big commitment draws out of us the, the greatness? The greatness, yeah. I mean, you, you think about, um, here's an example. I mean, I've, I've named some examples, but it, it's true in anybody's life. You know, if you're, If your coach in high school said to you, and you really got it, we could be the best basketball team in the state this year. We could go to number one. We could Mm -hmm. be number one in the state. And Mm -hmm. all of you will have a better chance at college. All of you will learn things you can't even imagine. Let's commit to that right now. Let's do it. That commitment reaches back into the life of those kids and that coach and they practice and they practice and they don't give up. And they, and when they, when they lose, they figure out why, and they look at their Mm -hmm. failures and they use them to be better, et cetera. The commitment shapes them into being the best bet, whether they win or not. Yes. Yes. So that's a kind of a simple example or, but you can also see like, if you think about, you know, in my life, one of my great heroes was President John Kennedy. You know, he got assassinated, only served three years as president, but he made a huge impact on my life and on the world mm. because he set the goal, we will put a man on the moon within 10 years. Mm. We will put a man on the moon within 10 years. And that was impossible. The, the 
metals weren't invented, the knowledge wasn't there, the science was barely able to comprehend that. Mm. And NASA was formed and the people who worked at NASA became the people, they invented the metals, they created new scientific breakthroughs, they became geniuses in the in the in the service of that commitment to have a man walk on the moon within 10 years and 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 within 10 years it happened mm. so i'm suggesting that making a commitment larger than your own life mm. it's almost like something you can't even really check off right uh, like bringing justice to humanity uh um you know uh is 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 so fulfilling it gives you freedom mm. why does it give you freedom you didn't ask me this one i'm going to tell you because mm. if we try to keep all of our options open we're paralyzed mm. we can't do anything well mm. but when we choose we're free we're free to express ourselves and we're fulfilled so that's the kind of message of the book Beautiful. and i use all of the wonderful people that you, you and i know because you and i know some wonderful people as examples, like Van Jones, like Jane Goodall, like Azim Kamisa, oh, like yeah. I love mm. the people who found a commitment larger than their own life that has shaped them and forged them into being simply extraordinary human beings. So he, he, here's a question that popped up. Um, it's kind of two parts, but but so I'll ask them both and you can take it whichever direction. If someone says, okay, exciting, big commitment, bigger than myself, but they're feeling like they've been burned in the past. They, 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 they vision big and fell flat on their face. And maybe they're just like, ah, the disappointment, my, my, you know, they're carrying that disappointment that I don't say jadedness, but you know, that ah, it just hurts so much that to dream big and not fulfill that dream. And so, I'm kind of afraid to have a big commitment and a big vision now. I, it, it just hurts too much to not attain that. So that's kind of part one. Part two is how does someone, let's say when someone moves through that piece, how does someone know what the right commitment is to make? Well, I'll answer the second part first, because that's mm -hmm. really the answer to this first part, mm -hmm. because I'm talking about something that calls to you so deeply mm -hmm. that it stirs your soul. And it doesn't need to be big. I want to re, um, reinstate that and not mislead people. It doesn't need to be huge. It needs to be larger than your own life, which doesn't necessarily need to be big. So I know that's a paradox. It needs to be something that's um, that you can't check off, like done, been there, done that. It's more like a longing and it needs to be, or it wants to be something that is in service of something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not building the, you know, the most profitable company on earth mm -hmm. uh, necessarily. It's something not, not a, that's a bad thing to do, but something that is, in service of life and it it's it, so however you whatever progress you make is in service you can't fail in other words you can't fail 
It is a trajectory. So, for example, if you're... So, so it's, not, it's not necessarily a goal. It's not a goal. It's not measurable. It's not, you know, I, I mean, in some cases, it might be somewhat measurable. I'm working on putting the Amazon rainforest in permanent protected status. So, so that, the, would be, that would be a vision. Yeah, that, that's a vision. And it is a goal. But, uh, but I'm, I, I don't think it's going to happen in my lifetime. Yes. I, I would love that. But I don't think it's going to happen in my lifetime. But what I'm, what I'm talking about is, that, I, 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 let's see, it's, it's kind of ineffable. So it's so hard to talk mm-hmm. about it. But it's, I think you are this. So I wanna, I'll use you as an example. You know, I, I know a little bit about your history. I know a little bit about how you found your way to be of such deep and profound service to this world mm. and the kind of podcasts and the kind of people that you interview and what you're trying to accomplish in this interview, mm. drawing forth distinctions, ways mm. of being that will uh, assist people in their own transformation, personal development and capacity to make a difference with their life. Yes. You just, you don't want them to just get better at their marriages and their parenting and their uh, capacity to earn money. And you do, and they will. But mm. you want them to really make a difference with their life. And I know yes. that about you. And I know that's why you called on me to be on your, your program. Mm. And I know that's why people are drawn to you. So um, I'm, I'm talking in that domain. And in that domain, you can't fail. Mm. You can only be true to your commitment. Um, so mm. you can't mm. like miss the mark. Mm-hmm. You are you are your commitment. You live your commitment. It shapes you. It breathes you. It loves you, and you love it. And you're you surrender to it. It tells you mm-hmm. what how to, what to <laughs> wake up in the morning. It tells you what to wear. It tells you who to meet with. You 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 your your decisions are in mm-hmm. service of rather than you have to deliberate. And, um, you know, now this is, I'm making it sound like, uh, like magic and there is a magic to it, but, but we are also human. We also like, did I do it right? Oh my God. Did I make the, did I make, did I make a mistake in the interview? Did I, did I not make it clear enough? You know, all of that is still there, but, um, and not, but, and you can feel something coming through you. Yes. You feel something coming through you and yeah. you trust it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you go off the step. Sometimes you make a misstep. But even that, you realize that happened for me, not to me. It showed me that I lost my way. Thank God for that mistake so that I could see more clearly the direction I'm headed. Mm-hmm. You you use everything as a as an instrument as a as a as feedback to give you even more effectiveness in being who you need to be to fulfill that vision and so it makes life so clear and so much more um livable i'll say mm-hmm. rather than you're deliberating and trying to decide and trying to figure out whether or not you're and so how you find how you find that is is really the question you asked me yes um and let's see, that's kind of, uh, let me just think before I answer that, because there's not an answer to that. Mm. It's, it's a, a commitment to find, to, 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 
a commitment and request for the commitment to find you almost. Mm. Um, I, I sometimes say I was in the right place at the right time when I met Buckminster Fuller and Werner Erhard and put them together and the hunger project was born. Mm. And um, I got, I was in the right place at the right time when I realized I could play a role in ending world hunger. And it swept me off my feet. It made me cry. It stirred my soul. And I realized this is why I was born and I can make a contribution. Mm. Um, at the same time, when I say I was in the right place at the right time, that's true. At the same time, something else is true. I was paying attention. Mm. I was listening for what is mine to do. I was not listening to the universe. I was listening for what is mine to do. And um, listening for is, a, is like a request to the universe. Bring me my dharma. Mm. Show me what's mine to do. Mm. Show me why I'm here on this planet at this epic, epic time. Mm. It's an all hands on deck time. It makes me cry. The, the world we're in, it's an all hands on deck time. Mm. And that's so great for everybody. Mm. What do you mean because, by that all hands on deck? Can you, can well, you because the, the challenges we face are so epic. Mm. So everything's in crisis. The um, the the political landscape is in crisis. Democracy is in crisis. Governance is in crisis. Education is in crisis. The e economy is in crisis. Religion is in crisis, uh, and the climate crisis is the big one. Um, you know, equity, inequality crisis, poverty crisis. Mm -hmm. But the big crisis and the big crisis is the climate crisis, the climate justice crisis. Um, so it's crisis all the way across the board. And that is such a powerful thing to own, that we're in such a monumental breakdown that you and I and everybody who's listening was born at a time when we have the opportunity to live the most meaningful lives any generation of humankind has ever lived. There's so much work to do, and it's all vital and critical, and so and the future depends on it. Mm. And that's not a burden. That that ennobles us. That ennobles us. That makes our lives so meaningful. Mm. And so the choices you and I make they influence the future of life for a thousand years. I mean that is epic, mm. and beautiful, and ennobling. And when I say it's all hands on deck, you know, I mean, nobody can escape the pandemic. Nobody escaped yeah. it. There's people who didn't get sick yet, but everybody was impacted. Every, every human being on planet Earth. The climate crisis hurts and, and, and pandemic hurts some of us way more than others. I, I acknowledge that and it was tragic. The climate crisis, same thing. I mean, there's no one who can escape it. Um. It hurts some people way more than others. I acknowledge that. At the same time, it's an all hands on deck issue. It's not it's not compartmentalizable. Yeah. <laughs> and none of these issues are now. They're all so interconnected and they demonstrate to us how we are one family. The pandemic mm -hmm. really made that clear. Mm -hmm. um, even though we tried to separate ourselves from each other, we couldn't do it. <laughs> we were connected on Zoom then. You know? mm. um, so I, I feel like uh, the book is really 
challenging people, inviting people, hopefully igniting people to play whatever their role is. And as I say again, it's not a big role or a small role. It's your role. What if someone says, okay, Lynn, I'm just trying to pay my freaking bills. Right. You know, like, like I'm just trying, I'm just trying to pay my rent. Like, you know, you, you, you're telling me a vision bigger than myself, but I, I, I'm just trying to take care of my family, pay my bills. I'm just, just struggling with this pandemic to keep my head above the water and, and survive. I, I don't have time to think about beyond myself and my life and my family. And, and, and so what then? How do we, how, how does that person navigate? Well, I love that question, and I, I don't know if, if I can answer that well enough for the mm. people who are living in those conditions. But let me just say, I know people who are in those circumstances who have discovered their dharma, and they oh. are fulfilled and soaring while they struggle to beat their family. Mm. I know people who... You know, I'll, I'll, I'll cite a bus driver who a big, jolly, larger than life, African-American bus driver in Chicago mm-hmm. who has six kids and whose wife is a nurse. And they work their tails off to meet probably the monthly rent and the food bill and just giving the kids a chance to have you know, a book or two or a pencil or a pen. The way this man welcomes people on his bus Mm. would make you cry. Mm. He sees that if you're on his bus, when you get on his bus, and he has a lot of the same people every morning at a certain time when they're going to work. How are you, Bill? Come on. It's a great day. It's cloudy, but the sun is still up there. Let's have a good one. Give your, take your seat. You always sit over there. I saved it for you, et cetera. Um, his countenance, his attitude, his mood, his space is one. If you're on his bus, you're going to get your day started well. You're going to have a bright day. Mm-hmm. And if you're, if you're sad and you need <clears throat> a little room and you need a little silence, he'll let you be and he'll, he'll be there for you. I mean, this guy's a bus driver, and he's an amazing character. Wow. And has become famous in Chicago. If you're a waitress, and you're doing the night shift, and it's, you know, the people that come in have had a little too much to drink, mm-hmm. and they're not so kind to you, but you can kind of be there for them and hold the space for them to get through the evening in a way that they don't drive home and they take a taxi. You're living a committed life. You see what I'm saying? That kindness is your way. You're, you're, you're just going to be kind no matter what. No matter what problems you have, you're going to be kind. It's, it's, really, um, it's really knowing that your life and everything you say and do makes a difference and creates a field for other people to be nourished or to be taken down. And to know that you have that opportunity you're alive now at an epic time in history when everybody's scared Mm. everybody's anxious everybody's trying to do the best they can 
And even the global billionaires, you know, and I have the great privilege of working with some of them, are freaked out. Wow. So it it's not dependent on wealth or economic class or race or ethnicity. Obviously, people with more privilege have more room to be talking with us the way I'm talking to you mm. or even being on this kind of a, sh- uh, a show or a podcast. At the same time, I'm highly aware, and we saw it in the pandemic, the people who served in 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 our hospitals, the first responders, the firemen, the policemen, the, the you know, the, the paramedics. Um, and I, you know, I think right now of all the people in Haiti, my God, you know, what's happening in Haiti, what's happening in Ukraine, what's happening in Syria, what's happening in Yemen, what's happening in our city streets. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know there's pain, suffering. But let me say another quote that comes from Reverend Deborah Johnson and Michael Beckwith. Pain pushes until vision pulls. Let me say that again. Pain pushes until vision pulls. And no matter how much pain we're in, we can get through it if we have a vision. And the vision will pull us through the pain to the vision we stand for. So, um, yeah, I, I really... I really feel for people right now. And one of the great gifts of, of my life is being approximate to suffering and knowing that that's um, a privilege to be proximate to suffering. Suffering also, witnessing it and, and experiences it, strengthens our capacity for compassion and love. Um, and it's another part of the journey. It's not something we can avoid. It's part of a committed life. Um, you know, I worked with Mother Teresa, so I saw very, very profound suffering. Uh, at the same time, um, it's almost like, what is the word in Buddhism? Uh, it's, um, God, there's a word. It's not redemption, but um, that's more Christian, but it's there's merit. That's the word in Buddhism. There's merit in suffering. So it's really, I'm talking about a context, a frame, not circumstances, but a context for the circumstances, whatever they are, to see that they may be happening not to you, but for you. And if you know they're happening for you, or even if you are willing to perceive that, then even the darkest times, the the illness, the loss of a child, the bankruptcy, the divorce, can become something that you can see God, I think it happened for me. Mm. I can forge out of that a deeper and more profound commitment to be of service to other people. Mm, beautiful. And so, so there's the sense of, you talked about you know, asking life, the universe, like, okay, show me, show me, show me, reveal to me my committed life, my, my dharma. Um, and, and what if someone's like, Lynn, I've asked, but I, I, I don't see anything. No, no light bulbs is great. You, you met Bucky Fuller and Warner Earhart. You felt this overwhelming you know, experience. I don't feel shit. I feel nothing. I just feel like, okay, I, you know, I like the children. You know, I feel for the elderly. I, I feel for the dolphins. I feel for the people in Africa. But I don't feel, you know, I have compassion. I'm a good person, but I don't feel cold. I mean 
speak to that person. Like, like, like how, how, where do they go? Yeah. Well, um, uh, it's so great. This is such a good test for me. This interview. <laughs> well, first of all, I don't know that they would buy my book. First of all, I'll tell you that. But, but, but I, I, but I, I want I, everyone I want to, to be able to like connect yeah. and relate. Right. And because I feel deep down, we all want more meaning. Yeah. You know, I mean, whether, really whether, like, we, whether we're aware of it or not. Right. Yeah. I was really being facetious. I just yeah. mean, I know that everybody hungers <laughs> for, for what we're talking about and whether, and sometimes it's covered over. Yes. Apathy and resignation. Like it'll never happen to me. Yeah. But she's talking about never going to happen to me. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm mm-hmm. a lost cause. I'm, and, and besides I, you know, I don't have any signs like that and I don't mm-hmm. believe in the universe. Yeah, I don't feel anything. I don't. Feel, yeah. I don't know. I couldn't do this. I could. I, I don't. I don't. Right. Right. Well, I. 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 I can. I can really relate to that. I really see that that's a a, a space mm-hmm. and a place that seems devoid of the kind of grace I'm talking about. At the same time, I believe, and I can't prove this, that. If you're alive today, if you were born and you are alive today, you have a role to play. And I suggest that you consider you have a role to play or you wouldn't be here. Now, you don't have to believe that, but I invite you to consider it because it opens up. It creates an aperture in your life for meaning. And we all want that. It creates an opening. It creates a possibility. I want to create a possibility for that person that you're talking about to realize there's a possibility that you do have a role to play and that it's unique to you. You know, we we sometimes forget that there's no one on earth who ever lived before now or who ever will live that has the same fingerprint as you do. Mm-hmm. You are absolutely unique. There's no one on earth who ever has lived or is living now or ever will live that has the same eye pigment as you do. That's why eye identification works at clear and other. Wow. There's no one on earth who ever will have the same voice timbre that you do or ever again. People may be able to imitate you, but a, a voice recognition machine will technology will say, no, that's not that's not Coot. Sounds mm-hmm. like him, but it's not him. You are absolutely unique. You, Coot, I'm absolutely unique. There's that beautiful phrase um, from Martha Graham um, that says that, uh, I should should quote it, but that you are totally unique in this universe and you've been given life and you're the only one that you are. Mm -hmm. And if you spend your time trying to block the contribution that's yours to make um, or wonder whether or not you're worthy of it or doubt yourself, you Mm -hmm. will block the expression that you are and the world will not have it. Mm -hmm. But if you keep the channel open, that contribution will be available to the world and the world will call for it. So I suggest that the possibility is there that whoever's listening has a unique role to play in this world right now. And that the world wants that from you, is calling for you to play that role. And you don't have to believe me, but I want to create that possibility for, for those of you who are listening. Because if you have that possibility, you're willing to create that possibility, there's an aperture, there's an opening, opening. Mm-hmm. 
that will um, that will make it possible at least for you to listen for your commitment. And then I'll just say another couple of things about this. Often I tell people, think about when you were a child, when you were little, when you were four, five, six, seven. Mm. Were you the kid on the playground who, when you saw a bully, you went over there and 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 helped to kind of stop mm. the action and take the person who was being bullied away? When you were choosing, so maybe you're a person who's, whose commitment has always been started there to be to make sure that everybody's safe and secure and loved and that you that's everybody has somebody who'll stand for them yes and and if you look in your life you'll see all the way through you know that's the the way i was when i worked at the ymca that's the way i Mm. was in high school that was when i was a camp counselor i really was kind of like that and later in life i realized i wanted to be a lawyer Maybe that's why, maybe what I really stand for is inclusion and everyone being safe and secure. Maybe that's my stand. Mm. Or maybe when you were a, a, a child, you you wanted to, um, when you when it was time to choose the kickball team, you choose you chose the person that wasn't very good first so that they would feel included. Mm. And then later you realize, God, I've always wanted to include people. Maybe my stand, my commitment is to create it a world where people feel included and seen and known. Or maybe you've always been, you know that music nourishes the soul and that you've always been drawn to either be a, a person who makes music available or leads people towards finding the music in their life. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about. It's not something that you have to, you know, stand in front of the United Nations and declare. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, right. it's what's the through line in your life that makes you unique and that has you stand for something way larger than your own life. Maybe it's inclusivity. Maybe it's having every child have a chance mm-hmm. uh, to, to find their Dharma. Maybe it's, um, maybe it's, maybe it's that you're committed to the, everybody having access to natural beauty. I don't know, but it's something that makes your heart sing. Mm-hmm. And Robert Thurman, Howard Thurman, said, um, don't ask what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and do that because what the world needs is people who've come alive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So ask yourself what makes you come alive. Right. You right. know, and, and then do that. Maybe you can't do that as your profession. Some people can't yes. they have to make a buck. Yeah. Then they volunteer at the food bank or they work with abused children. Or so it, it, it doesn't have to be your job necessarily, right? No. Because somebody might say, well, I don't know how I'll make money at that, but they can still volunteer. They can still give their time, even if if that committed calling isn't a job. Yeah. yeah. And they can bring it to any job too. Right. right. Like the bus driver, like the waitress, mm-hmm. like the like the kindergarten teacher that I'm referencing. Bringing that that deep commitment to serve to whatever it is you're doing, dishwashing, you know, um, garbage collecting, yeah. uh, tree planting, farming, mm. bringing that commitment because we are, you know, we're all ancestors to an age to come. We're yeah. all, that's the role we're playing right now. What is it that will have our being on this earth 
leave a, a mark of some kind that makes the world a better place, mm. that gives our children's 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 children uh, a life with, with more possibility and meaning. And we all have that opportunity. We don't, it's not a duty. It's not a have to, it's a, we get to, we get to. So it's not that what I'm saying is not a have to. Yes. It's a, we get to, I'm, I'm creating an, it's an offering I'm making, not an assignment, mm-hmm. not a duty. It's an offering. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I offer it. Mm-hmm. I offer it. It's worked for me. Yeah. I know true. it's worked for you. Yes. yes. And I know it works. Yeah. Um, and it's no. not a have to, it's a, it's a get to. You know, when you're talking, I'm thinking of like, um, Greta, Greta Thunberg. Yes. And she was a kid. I mean, some people like her, some people don't. Regardless of that, I mean, the fact that she just felt something and rather than waiting for anyone, she just took that sign and, you know, went outside and stood stood outside following her her impulse, you know, her soul nudging. And I think sometimes... We, 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 we so try to figure everything out in advance that we don't f- take that initial step. And so I yeah. hope everyone listening um, ha- sort of develops that courage to just take a step without the need to know even where it's going to lead. Because when I look at someone like Greta, I'm sure she could not have planned where this was going and how the world caught on to her calling and her passion yeah. for, for what she felt. So for someone who, let's say they do feel the calling. And I know folks that they feel something. Sometimes it feels so amazing, so big, so like inspiring that they get afraid. Yes. And, and, and that fear sometimes paralyzes them or they're, they're afraid of what saying yes to this life might mean for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. And so how does someone deal with the fear that may come up when they acknowledge this committed life, this calling, this dharma? Well, um, there's so many answers to that, but I'll just say that the origin of the word courage mm-hmm. is uh, is the heart core. And um, fear is not the opposite of love. It's the absence of it. And when we're in our dharma, when we're starting to realize what we love, that will always uh, start to dissipate our fear. You know, courage is a really, courage is, um, you know, this is what I'm talking about is risky, yes, but it's so exciting. (laughs) (laughs) It's so exciting to take a leap. You know, even if you fail, it works. It really, I, I, I just was at the um, memorial service for a great dear friend named Dan Wyden, who started the, the, the ad agency Wyden and Kennedy, which is the largest independent ad agency in the world. And he, he was the guy who invented just do it for Nike and the real thing for Coke. And, you know, he's a genius. And um, I went to his office once and, um, is just filled with amazing creative people, a creative agency in Portland, Oregon. And on the wall, there's a huge wall. There's an atrium in the middle of the office. And on the wall, uh, Uh it says, fail harder Uh in giant letters. 
And what he, you know, we just were at his memorial service. So I've watched a lot of um, videos of him talking to his team. And he said, you know, look at, if you take, if you don't take risks, if you have it all thought through before you jump, you know, why jump? You know, right, right. Exciting. <laughs> so take some risk. And I, I say this takes some courage when I'm talking about mm. you don't have to, but you get to. And um, and and I, I also know that for people um, who, who, who aren't feeling it, it, that's OK, too. It's OK mm. to let it be for a while till something washes over you, till something begins to stir in you. You know, maybe this isn't for everybody, but I think everybody has this possibility, this capacity, this capability, and they don't need to do it, uh, and they can choose it. Mm -hmm. And why I say it's an all-hands-on-deck moment, and I think it is in this time in history, is there's so many epic breakdowns that it's going to take all of us to get through this period. And so I invite everybody to play their role, whatever it is, small, big, medium-sized, to just play our hearts out because we um, everything's at stake. And that's exciting. That's Yeah, it's frightening, but, but maybe it's exciting. Maybe it's thrilling. Maybe when everything's at stake, that's when life is really that's when we're really alive yeah yeah beautiful we're really alive i love it i love it um final few questions Lynn. um how do we deal with someone or a group of people that they might have a commitment that they consider larger than themselves that is in opposition without with who we are or our commitment, you know, like racist people, racist group, anti-Semitic, right? Uh, uh, and, and they really feel this is what we've been put on the planet to do, and this is our commitment. And 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 how how, how do we how do we relate to 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 those group of people? How do we? Because there seems to be such in our culture right now divisiveness you know this group and that group and everyone's going at each other and you know fighting and that doesn't seem to be really resolving anything either and no one's listening left not listening to right democrats but and so how do we how do we build a bridge with a group of people or someone that is totally opposite and they feel very righteous about their own commitment and some people feel like this is what god has told me is correct and they're busily imposing that and living that with the full passion that they feel they've been given um how do we create harmony and live on this planet with with that happening oh i i wish i could give you this step three <laughs> formula <laughs> um, I, I I love I love that question. It's it's a conundrum. It's a paradox. It's a uh, it's uh, we're in a, a such a difficult passage right now that um, and I'll just acknowledge that what you're saying is so true for me. I I uh, I, I struggle with that. I struggle with that. That really is a test. What you're asking, mm -hmm. 
And um, I, I just want to say a couple things in, in response. Um, yes. I don't have the formula. I don't have the answer for that. But I make a distinction between a position and a stand, taking a position oh. and taking a stand. Nice. And when we take a position, and I want to just, if I can explain this, it, it'll be a little bit helpful to your question. Yes, please. When you, when you take a position, the, the nature of positionality is, is each position creates its opposition. Mm. So when I say right, it actually creates left. When I say here, it creates there. When I say up, it creates down. When I say left, it creates right. You know, when I say conservative, it, it, it creates liberal. I mean, it really, it, it is like, that's kind of the positionality is like that. That's the way positions are. And positions are points of view. So another way of talking about this is a position is a point of view. So if, if I'm in a theater and I'm sitting in the middle of the third row of the theater looking at the stage, or if I'm in a football game and I'm sitting, let's say, in the 50-yard line and I'm looking at the game, I see the players in a certain configuration. Or in the stage, I see that the, the player is very close and up, I see their faces. But if I'm in the last row of the theater on the right-hand side, I, I have a view uh, sideways of the, of the players and they're quite small on the stage. Or if I'm in the end zone for a, a football game, I see the see the game in a completely different angle. So a point of view is a position from which you view, if I can put it that way. Or I'm over here. A point of view is 100% accurate for the person who has it. The person who's sitting in the middle of the theater looking at the stage sees exactly what they see and it's accurate for them. And the person who's in the last row on the right-hand side, the view they have is 100% accurate and true for them. If they start to argue with each other about those two points of view, as if one is right and the other is wrong, it's, it's crazy-making because yes. it's not valid. Yeah. So a point of view is also the way we were raised, where we were born, our th ethnicity, the way our parents taught us. It's our point of view. And for us, it's true. I recommend taking a stand. That's a distinction that's different than a point of view or a position. Positionality always creates a kind of a mess, mm. but it's important to know what you are, what your point of view is so that you can get from where you are in the stadium out the door, or where you are in the theater out the door. You need to know your point of view. So it's useful and important and valid. Mm. It's just not true for everybody else. They have their point of view. So, so now let me just talk about taking a stand. When you take a stand, you relinquish your position mm. and you take a stand and you have vision. You see all points of view and they all make a difference. It's almost like rising above the stadium to see all the points of view to give you surround sound to the game. Um, and our committee said, give me a place to stand and I'll move the world. Mm. And you can and you do. A stand is always for, it's never against anything. There's no positionality in a stand. 
Martin Luther King took a stand. Right. He took a stand for all people. And that's why his that's why he was such a game changer. Mahan, Mahatma Gandhi took a stand. Jane mm-hmm. Goodall took a stand. These are Maya Angelou took a stand. The people we really, really respect took a stand. They were they were for. They lived for something. Mm-hmm. Now they took positions in order to move the dial. So Martin Luther King was against, you know, this bill and for that bill. Um, you know, Gandhi wanted the British to move, leave India. Yes, but he was where he lived was from his stand, and then he would drop down into the world of positionality to move things around. But he didn't make. He wasn't against. This is very ineffable. So I, for example, I stand for, I stand for the, the my country, the United States of America. I stand for freedom and liberation. I stand for free speech. I stand for all of that. I rile and cringe when I hear some people talk now, mm. and the election thing, and the stolen thing, and the and the mudslinging in the political landscape. And we're about to have this midterm election, and it's. It's like I can't I can't even watch the it's like gossip on steroids. Everybody's accusing the other person of everything bad. Mm. Um, So we've gotten into so deep. Our positionality is like it's like it's riveted. We're we're like uh, rigid in our positionality. Mm -hmm. And the algorithms on Mm -hmm. um, the Internet and on social media that keep telling us what we already think and make it deeper and deeper and deeper are getting more and more skillful. The algorithms keep reinforcing your positionality and that you're right and everybody else is wrong, that it's really distorted our capacity to see that there are other points of view and that they're valid too. They're valid. You may not agree with them, but they're valid. You know, I'm a pro-choice person, but I really, really feel for the pro-life people. I can really understand what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. I, I feel it in my heart. Mm-hmm. I don't like their tactics. I don't agree with their rhetoric. I don't agree even with their opinions. But I, I know I can feel their humanity. I can talk to them. I can mm-hmm. sit in a room with them. I can learn about why the, why they feel that way and how they were raised and their belief and their faith. And I can really relate to that. Mm. So that's what we need to do now. We need to really relinquish our points of view and take a stand for each other and listen deeply to each other and know that um, we don't have to agree, but underneath it all, we are aligned. We want the human family to succeed. We want to flourish and we want people to flourish. So it's what I'm talking about is there's no formula for it. It takes yes. enormous courage incredible generosity and amazing patience, especially now to be with people that you disagree with uh, fiercely. For sure. But the job is to listen, 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 and feel and, um, and let go of our position long enough or our point of view long enough to walk over to the last row on the right-hand side and see, oh, you're right. Mm. The scenery looks kind of uh, looks so different from here. Uh, the set, and mm-hmm. I can see the 
the you know that you can see standing in the shoes and the moccasins yeah. of someone who experiences uh, the fear that mm. comes with this horror of racism um, mm. or the um, the anger. Um, you can even think about. I shouldn't get into these topics because they're too dicey, mm. but just the Ukraine war. You think about what is going on with the people of Russia. What are they thinking? What is Putin thinking? And then you think about Russia being attacked over and over and over and over again during World War I and World War II and losing 17 million people on their own soil and being completely crushed over and over again in the 20th century and then building countries around them as satellites to protect them from ever being attacked again. And then NATO getting closer and closer and closer to their borders. You have some idea what might be going on with with, mm. with this guy Putin, even though I don't agree with him. I'm yeah. totally horrified mm. by what's happening. But how can I begin to understand what is the fear? Mm. What is the horror that he's feeling that he would be doing what he's doing? So I don't agree with him. I want the war to stop. I want that guy to cut it out. Yes. I'm trying to display something that will allow us to connect yeah. at least with one another at this epic time. I think it, it takes a huge commitment to listen. Oh. That's a, that's a, I think if, if there's something we can all do, if we're not sure, well, what do I do? It's just practice what you said, just offering that grace of empathy and listening to another perspective that will make a huge difference. So thank you for sharing the, the difference between uh, positionality and stand. That, that was awesome. Final question, Lynn. Um, what are you most excited about? As you see the world, we're going through some intense times and I want to leave people with, with the sense of possibility. So what are you excited about when you see the world and what we're going through, despite what we're going through, what, what gives you, I mean, do you have hope? What, what gives you hope yeah. uh, when you look at the world? Well, I'll, I'll say something that's pretty wild, but I think it's one way of looking at life. I think the pandemic mm. uh, is like morning sickness for a pregnant species Ooh. that's about to be reborn. Let's just hope, let's just hear that. that that's a quote, <laughs> the pandemic is like morning sickness for a pregnant species about to be reborn. Wow. And I think we're in an evolutionary leap. And, uh, or at least we have that opportunity. And um, as I say in the, in the book, every breakdown, no matter how great, has within it the seeds of a breakthrough way greater than the breakdown. And if you look at your own life, you'll see it over and over and over again. If you look for the seeds in a breakdown, obviously the breakdowns are painful and tragic and wrenching and horrendous that we've all had. And the one we're in now is pretty darn serious in all sectors of, of life. But the seeds are there. Um, for a breakthrough way, way greater than the breakdown, I believe. And it's the re, being re, 
born as a new kind of human being. And the climate crisis is the biggest feedback we're getting. It's, you know, Paul Hawkins says it's happening for us, not to us. It is feedback from the mother. And it's powerful feedback. And it's harsh feedback. And it's critical feedback. Um, And it's the feedback we need to disrupt the trajectory we're on that's inconsistent with our own humanity. And we know it. But we haven't been able to stop ourselves. So she's helping us. The pandemic, everything comes from the earth, including the pandemic. The virus came from the earth, too. And indigenous people say that humanity in some primordial way have been been hoping and yearning for something powerful and sacred enough to disrupt the way we were living that we couldn't disrupt ourselves, that we knew was off. And so the pandemic is that assistance, not a punishment, but a, but a, but a, an mm-hmm. ally to rethink, reset, reimagine, even though it's been painful and tragic for so many people. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I've lost people I loved and I got sick myself and it's, it's cruel. At the same time, when I was pregnant and I didn't know I was pregnant and I was throwing up in the morning and feeling queasy and wondering, I thought I was really, really sick. And then when I found out I was pregnant, wow. Then when I was throwing up in the morning, I'm pregnant, you know, it was okay. (laughs) That's more of this pain pushes until vision pulls. I then had a vision for being sick. I was sick mm. in uh, for a purpose of giving birth to a child. Wow. And when I was in labor, I remember the more it hurt, the closer I was to having a baby. And that's kind of where we are as a human family. That's the possibility we're living through. And if we can honor this pregnancy, if we mm. can take care of each other, while we give birth, it's going to be painful and maybe a long pregnancy, maybe a long, difficult labor, Mm. but I'm convinced we're going to make it. Mm. Uh, So that's the possibility of our time. And I'm privileged to be alive at this super incredible transitional time in history. I know we're having a transformation. I know we're an evolutionary leap. And I'll give you one more quote that came from Werner Erhard. He said, at one point in the early days of the EST training, he said, the day of fish crawled up on land. Suddenly, elephants and eagles became possible. And that's evolution. Evolution is miraculous. And mm-hmm. we're in, we're now the co-evolutionaries to evolution itself. And the grace and guidance that brought this world into existence is still here and guiding us now. So I think this is a a time of immense possibility and immense pain, but that pain will push us till we have a vision worthy of the pain we're going through. And then that'll pull us through. Amazing. Lynn, thank you. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for your sharing. I feel uh, renewed and inspired listening to to the possibility and, and the pregnancy metaphor. I hope people are taking that in. Because I think when, when we reframe and understand what's going on, it really shifts our relationship to our experience. And so mm-hmm. thank you so much for, honestly, just for being who you are, 
and for sharing your light on the planet all of these years. And uh, every time we see you, folks, this woman is literally, like the proof is in the pudding, right? When someone <laughs> says something and then they look like shit, that's one thing. But every time I see you, you are just radiant. And I think I really feel that that must come from being tapped into a vision and a life that is bigger than yourself and that energy and source energy coming through you, you know, tapping into um, a dimension of yourself that is beyond just Lynn. And that shines through you every time we meet. So thank you for being you folks. I really want to invite you to, depending on when you're listening to this interview, bottom line, go get the book, living a committed life, finding freedom and fulfillment in a purpose that is larger than yourself. Uh, depending on when you're listening, November 29th, the book is out. So pre-order the book. If it's before, if you're listening to this interview afterwards, go get the book. Don't hesitate. Go to Amazon, check it out. Lynn, where can people connect with you and your work? Um, they can go to soulofmoney.org and that's uh, our website and we have lots of wonderful programs or they can go to pachamama.org, which is our work in the rainforest. Awesome. Okay, folks, we're going to put all the links in the show notes. And Lynn's not kidding when she says she uh, works in the rainforest. I, I remember having this experience in 2015 where I went to Ecuador uh, to be in the rainforest. And I was on the tiny mud runway. Oh, and yeah. literally, all of a sudden, out of the blue, I look around and I see Lynn Twist, right? <laughs> Getting off of a plane. And I was wow. like, Lynn, what are you? Oh, my God. So... Folks, she's the real deal. Lynn, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Coop. Can't wait to see you in person soon. <laughs> okay. Everyone get the book. Send me an email, folks. Coop Blackson at coopblackson.com. I'd love to know your key takeaways from today's episode and share this episode with everyone in your life. Until next week, love now. If you've enjoyed this episode of Soul Talk, please do share the podcast with all of your friends. Let everyone know and make sure you download Soul Talk today. I'm looking forward to next week where I'll get to share more inspiration with you. Meanwhile, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or social media. You can find out more about my work at www.coopblackson.com. If you feel ready to take your life to the next level, join me at my exclusive event in Bali, www.boundlessblissbali.com, where you can find out more and apply. Also, make sure to remember to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment at coopblackson.com. Sending you all big hugs and love now.